You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. Our topic this morning is devoted to prayer. As you know, throughout the year, the theme is devoted, and we're going to be sharing more about that as we go along. Today's devoted to prayer. Last week, we talked about devoted to the Word, so if you missed that again, you can go to the podcast, pick it up there. encourage you to do that, and uh, just, again, get refreshed with that, get familiar with that powerful message about being devoted to the Word. Speaking of being devoted to the Word, we are memorizing verses throughout the whole year, correct? And there are two levels. There is the gold level and there is the platinum level. The gold level is you memorize one verse every month. The verse for January is on your bulletin. You can pick it up off of there where it says, I will walk in freedom for I have devoted myself to your commandments. Psalm 119 verse 45. So if you have your bulletin, grab that and let's say that verse out loud together. I did a show of hands last week and uh, we didn't have every hand go up to say they memorized it. So we won't say what percentage it was. We won't ask for a show of hands this morning. But let's say this verse out loud together. Psalm 119.45. If you don't know it, it's there on your bulletin. I will walk in freedom for I have devoted myself to your commandments. Okay. Yeah. Psalm 119.45. Thank you. It's good to know the reference. Now, let's think about this verse for a bit. I will... I will means a choice, right? Will is a choice. I will. I will what? I will walk. I will walk in it. I'm not running. I'm walking. It's steady. I'm walking in this. It's my walk of life. I will walk in what? I will walk in freedom. I will not walk in bondage. I will walk in freedom. Uh, you know, you, when we come to Christ, we go out of bondage into freedom. I will walk in freedom. Why will I walk in freedom? For I have what? For I have devoted, devoted myself to what? Your commandments. Sometimes when we memorize scriptures, it's just good to break it down a bit. I will. I will what? I will walk and so forth. So you can do that as you memorize it. Another way that I found helps me memorize scripture is, and this is, we learned this from a guy who was, he'd memorized the whole New Testament. His wife had memorized the New Testament and his daughter had memorized the New Testament. So the, the whole thing. He'd never preach with the Bible. He would just get up and he'd say, oh, you know, turn in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 14. And then the way he'd go, he said, I'll turn over to Galatians. And he would just, he knew the chapter and verse. He knew the whole thing by memory. And uh, he is a very, very interesting character. You can Google him if you want. His name was Holy Hubert. And uh, Holy Hubert. And uh, he, he, he brought revival to the Berkeley campus during the, the hippie movement. And Berkeley campus and all the riots. And you can Google him. He, he was a radical preacher. He was... He was almost too radical. But he, uh, he memorized the verses. He memorized the scriptures. And uh, the way he memorized it is he, he struggled with memorization. He was, he, his claim to fame was he was on the show Little Rascals. He was Alfalfa. And the early ones, you know, that show Little Rascals. He was a little Alfalfa years ago. And then he ended up becoming a speaker. But what he would do, because he had trouble memorizing, he would, God spoke to him. He said, write out the verse in every color, he, he, the primary colors. And so he wrote out the scripture in the primary colors, and then he wrote it again in the primary colors. And now science tells you that's a great way to learn. You write it out in the primary colors, and your, your brain remembers it better. But he didn't know that. He just had the Lord speak to him, and that's how we memorize scripture. So that may work for you. Whatever works for you, it's just good to remember the scripture. The Bible says, I have 
hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's something about knowing God's word and studying it. Faith comes that way and we live strong that way. Last week, remember, we used Psalm chapter 1 was our key verse where it talks about where blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, in his law he meditates day and night. Then talks about him being like a tree planted by the streams of living water. And we use the illustration that God's word is like water. It's living water. And when we do our devotions in the morning, encourage you to do your daily devotion. Again, the word devoted is in there. We're devoted. We're doing devotions. And when we do devotions, like take a drink of water. Water in the Bible is symbolic of cleansing. It, uh, we, just like this water, when I drink it, it cleanses, washes, flushes the toxins out of my system. We live in a toxic world. And the Word of God, it cleanses us. It washes us. But we need more than that 15-minute devotion in the morning. During the day, we need the water. This verse says that, Blessed is the man who doesn't walk or sit or stand with the scornful or the unwise counsel, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. So when he's in those environments, he's meditating on God's word. Meditate means to mutter, means to think, means to ponder on. And just like I would have a drink of water in the morning to hydrate myself, when I'm throughout the day, I'll carry water with me. Some of you have a water bottle with you this morning, and you take a sip of water. You take a sip of water throughout the day. If you're doing a sport, if you are running, or if you're playing tennis, or whatever your sport is, what do you do? It's important to drink water in between to keep hydrating yourself. Likewise, it's important throughout the day you keep sipping on the water. How do you sip on it? You just meditate. You you think about what God said. If you're in a place where there's ungodly counsel, if there's a place where there's, it, the environment is toxic, then you just sip on the water again, sip on the water again. But you can't always just take out your Bible and say, oh, just a minute, you know, that was, that was a really lousy joke, that was really dirty, I got to get a verse for that, and I'll be right in the car. No, you have to know the word, and you just, oh, yeah, I, I cast that thought down, and you don't say it out loud, but you're just meditating on that, you, and what do you do? You're taking another sip of water, then you're planted like a tree besides streams of living water. So that was last week's message, and we want to again encourage you to memorize the scriptures. If you do one a month, that's the gold level. If you want to do one a week, now that's the platinum level. Church, there's no silver level, there's no bronze level, there's no copper level, there's no tin level, there's only one level, two levels here, and that's copper, or uh, copper, no, that's, <laughs> that's gold and platinum. So, and uh, the verses for the entire month are there in your handout. You can pick them up. Psalm 119.45, Ephesians 3.20, Philippians 4.13, and Acts 2.42. So let's go to Acts 2.42. That's the verse for the week if you're going to memorize it. It's there in your notes. Would you stand with me, please? And uh, in respect for God's word, we're going to read Acts 2.42 out loud together. We're just honoring his word. And so if you found that there in your notes, let's read this together. They joined with the other believers and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, sharing in the Lord's Supper and in prayer. Thank you. You can be seated. 
This is early church, devoted. What were they devoted to? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the word. They're devoted to fellowship, uh, life groups, etc. Alpha, we have fellowship. It could be you and some friends hanging out at Starbucks. It could be you driving down the road, talking, doing life together. They did life together. And they were devoted to the Lord's Supper, which we'll do at the end of this service. We're devoted to that as a church. We do it on a regular basis, a monthly basis. We also do it at different places. And then they were devoted to prayer. That's today's topic. Devoted to prayer. The question is, why were they devoted to prayer? Uh, that We could spend the rest of the year talking about prayer and why they would be devoted to prayer. But one thing, I think they're devoted to prayer because... They had a relationship with God. The more you're devoted to prayer, uh, the more you want to pray. It really helps our relationship. It's key to a relationship with God, prayer. So that's obvious. They were devoted to prayer because, well, let me go through points. Here's, here's a couple. We could take many of them, but just give you a few this morning. One, I think they were devoted to prayer because they lived in a culture that was not that much different than we are. I know there's a lot of advancements since that time, but really, people were people, and they had the same challenges then that we do today. In Acts chapter 2, verse 40, Peter had said this, save yourself from this corrupt generation. There was sexual perversion at that time. There was corruption uh, in the business world at that time. There was moral decay then, just like we're experiencing today. And Peter says, he save yourself from that. So they had an environment that was kind of toxic, just like we have today. That causes you to pray. That caused them to meditate on the word, to pray, just like we'd pray in that situation. They had troubles, just like we have troubles. Uh, they had family troubles. They had uh, relationship troubles. They had troubles in their business. Nothing like challenges in life to cause you to pray. Somebody once said, there are no atheists in the foxhole. When you're under fire, people find themselves praying. So out of all the reasons, maybe this is just one of many, but I'm sure they were devoted to prayer because they had challenges like you and I have challenges in life. It, the church was young. The church was new. And the church was having persecution as well. We don't know a lot about that here in Vancouver, North America, but they had persecution. Uh, they were accused of being self-centered. They're accused of, of not participating in the events of the city. There are certain rituals that they had in the city uh, under Roman rule. There are certain things that were going on, and the Christians didn't participate in them. They didn't participate in certain parades. There are certain things they didn't do because they found it was lewd. They found that it was uh, uh, carnal. And so they said, we're not going to participate. And so they were... Uh, criticized for that. They were shunned for that. They were persecuted for that. They were also challenged because they, even the Lord's Supper uh, caused persecution for them. They, it was found out that they, you know, they took the Lord's Supper together and people thought they were cannibals. They said, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about eating somebody's body and you're talking about drinking somebody's blood. What kind of group is this? And they didn't understand that it was symbolic and it was twisted. People were, there was misinformation, but they were criticized for that. When we take the Lord's Supper, we know it's symbolic of his body. We know it's symbolic of his blood, but it's not the actual thing. And so they were criticized for that. There was a lot of pressure on the early church. And when you feel pressure, whether it be because of troubles in life or persecution, you find yourself running to God for that. And they had lots of reasons to run to God. 
Look at here, Psalm 9, verse 9 and 10. It says, The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, O Lord, have never abandoned anyone who searches for you. And uh, this early church, they had trials, they had troubles, they had challenges, and they found themselves running to God just like we would. They also were devoted to prayer because there is a certain strength that comes when we pray with each other and for each other. Uh, you know, when you're going through a rough time, it's just so good to have people praying for you. The early church caught this. They were devoted to prayer because there was a strength that came when they were praying for one another. Prayer really works. Uh, I'm a believer in prayer. I don't understand all how it works, but it just works. We have corporate prayer here Saturdays at 8 o'clock. You're welcome to come to that. And it's great just to get together to pray. And uh, I was thinking about an article that we I read about a number of years ago. It was about a church in Phoenix, and the pastor did an experiment on prayer. They were talking about prayer, and uh, they said, okay, let's do this. Let's have, let's pick 80 names out of the phone book, and we're going to have you pray for these 80 names for 90 days. So a group of the church, they got together, they had 80 names, and they prayed for those 80 names for 90 days. They prayed for those people. Then they got another 80 names. They said, now, don't pray for these names. We'll just list them here, but do, do not pray for them. Just pray for the 80 names. So that went on for three months. 90 days, they prayed for those people. Then they called all 160 people. And the people that had not been prayed for, the, the call was this, you know, would you allow some Christians to come to your home and pray for you? That's what they asked them when they phoned them. Of the people that they did not pray for, only one out of the 80 said, yes, you can come and pray for us. Of the group that they had prayed for, they found 63 out of the 80 had said, yes, by all means, come over and pray. And by the way, some of them even said, would you come and have coffee, come have supper with us? It was such a marked difference. A lot of other studies have been done like that. There is a a book that's out called uh, The Faith Factor, Proof of Healing Through Power of Prayer. It's written by doctors, medical doctors that aren't Christians. But they saw something in the hospitals. When the Christians would come and pray for people, there was a tangible difference. People were being healed. And so they produced this book on it. It's a great book. Same conclusion. There's power in prayer. Prayer changes things. When we're praying for each other, something happens. One of the reasons that causes us to be devoted to prayer is answered prayer. Just seeing answers to prayer just encourages us to pray. So they were praying for each other. When you're hurting, when you're down, boy, you, you just really need somebody to pray with you. And uh, we, we found in our life, maybe you found the same thing, that you get close to people when you pray for them. You just find yourself kindred spirit. They can have another nationality. They can come from another part of the world. But when you find yourself praying for them, you get close to them. You can't gossip for somebody that you pray about. Uh, you, you, You don't criticize people you pray for. Prayer brings you close. That early church was brought close together because they prayed for each other. When... When we pray for each other, we, we carry each other's burdens. We, we help them through difficult times. Um, Chris, I need you to come up here and be my volunteer again. You did such a good job on the announcements. I need Chris to come. And uh, where, who else can I pick on that's really close here? Um, I thought I saw Landry. There, Landry. Come on up here. I see I pick on these, these, these guys. Give them a big hand. How was, how was Missions Fest? You're speaking of Missions Fest. How was that? Good. It was good. All right. So um, I'm going to pretend that Chris today, he, he's under attack. 
so this guy's under attack here. And, uh, you know, when, you, when you're under attack and you're going through, let's say your health is really bad. Don't you sometimes find it challenging to pray? Like, you just find it hard to come together. Or maybe you're going through a financial battle. And like every day somebody's calling you, where's my money, where's this? And it's like, and it takes a lot of effort to get up and pray. That's the time we really need to bear one another's burdens. The Bible says to bear each other's burdens, to care for one another. The early church was doing this. They got together and they cared for each other. So this is, this is Chris, and he's been under attack. I don't know what kind of attack you're under. But he's, he's having a hard time just even coming to prayer. Now, if he doesn't tell us, we don't know that. You, could, and you, you, you know, God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. And so, and so in our life group, Chris has said, you know what, man, guys, I'm just really under attack. Maybe it's financial pressure. And I, I just, uh, there's such a battle going on in my life. I feel like the enemy's trying to get a hold of my life. And so what Landry and I do, we have something that's called the shield of faith. There is a battle going on. The Bible says that we have spiritual armor. One of the pieces of armor is a shield of faith. The Bible says it quenches every fiery dart of the enemy. Every one, it quenches them so that we're protected, the shield of faith. But when we're under attack, sometimes our faith is under attack. Like, God, where are you? Aren't you hearing me? Like, what's going on? We just feel so beaten up. At that point, we don't run from Chris, we run to Chris. At that point, he doesn't say, you know, I'm never going to ask for help. He says, hey, can you guys pray for me? Can you, can you come alongside and pray for me? Now, what we do, he's got a shield of faith, but his arm's getting tired holding up the shield of faith. And so what Landry and I do, we come alongside him and we hold up our shield of faith right beside him, just like we're soldiers. We hold up our shield of faith. Yeah, you're doing all right. And so now, now what we do, we help him. Him. We shield. We're using our shield of faith to help quench the fiery darts that are coming against him. And we hold him and we hold it. We hold it there. How long do we hold it? Until his strength has come back. And when his strength is back, then we're, we don't do this forever, but we come alongside him until his strength is back and he can carry on. And once you get your strength back, oh, okay, I can go again. But he needs us. Now, when we've gone through this, we're, we're tight. We're closer than ever before. We, we've really bonded through this time of prayer. And, uh, and, and that's what the early church did. They just came. They were devoted to prayer because, one, I need help. And, two, hey, I'm there for you. I'm going to hold my shield of faith for you. Thanks, guys. That's all we need. That's great. Give them a hand. <laughs> Cheryl and I, we experienced this. We were living in Tennessee. We were going to Bible school there. We took a year after, left the oil industry, go down there, and took a, a year of Bible school. We're believing to have children, and Cheryl conceived, but she had a miscarriage. And it was, guys, I didn't understand everything. I was kind of new to it, and uh, she didn't understand everything either, but it just hit us really hard. And I, I was kind of confused. I was confused in my faith. God, why did this happen? Did I do something wrong? I was asking all these questions, and I really found myself down. I found myself fighting being depressed, being discouraged, and quite honestly, I didn't even feel like praying at times. It just felt like this weight was on me. And then this nurse came along beside us, and first of all, she explained what was going on, why it happened, and gave us some medical understanding of it. Sometimes you just need some knowledge, some medical understanding of it, and she did that for us. Then she got some others to pray for us. And folks, they came beside us, held up that shield of faith, and for about a month, every day, they were praying for us. And it felt like I was in this cocoon. I felt like I was shielded, literally. And it was, I had a peace, I had a strength that I knew that wasn't my own. 
And they carried us through that. I'll never forget them. We were so close because we, they prayed for us. And that lifted us out of there. We were pretty beat up through it. But when that shield lifted, our strength was renewed. And they carried us. They held us through that time. Early church was devoted to praying for one another. Wow. We get to do that for each other in our groups, in our life, in our homes, in our families. We find strength by praying for one another. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, Share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way obey the law of Christ. Well, how do I share your troubles and problems? I share them by praying for you. That's how I share them. I mean, if you're broke, I don't want to be broke just because you're broke. That's not that's what this is about. If you're sick, I don't want to be sick just because you're sick. No, I'm going to come alongside you and spiritually fight with you and for you. Ah, so much more we could share about that. James 5, 16, pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails what? Much. What does that mean? It makes a huge difference when you got people praying for you. Early churches devoted to prayer. One of the reasons they were devoted to prayer, it was making a difference in their lives, brought them closer together. Another reason that they were devoted to prayer was they were really close still to what happened at the cross. We've had over 2,000 years of Christianity since then. And this is really important, folks, that we don't lose or become familiar with what happened at the cross. Because it's possible that we put a stained glass window around it and we don't realize what really took place there and how significant it was. They could remember the old covenant. They could remember the sacrifice. They could remember what you had to go through in order to come to God. It was a very different time. And Christ did something new for them. And they were, it was so fresh and real. And it can be fresh and real for us if we go back and just look at the scriptures and what God did for us. Colossians 2.15 says this, In this way God disarmed the evil rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross of Christ. He absolutely brought us victory there. The early church knew that, gave them great faith for their prayer. Jesus said on the cross, It is finished. We know that saying, it's finished. It wasn't like, my life is over, it's done, I'm going to die. That's not what he was saying. It is finished means that it was done, paid and complete. The price for our redemption was paid for. It was finished. The word he uses in the Greek is the same word they would stamp on an invoice to say paid in full. Remember, sometimes on an invoice, we used to say paid in full, or maybe you get something back, paid in full. The price for your sins is paid in full. You do not have to do anything to redeem yourself. It's paid in full. The early church knew that. What does that do? It gives us great confidence. Confidence to what? Confidence to come before God. Why were they devoted to prayer? Because they knew they could come boldly into the presence of God. Look at, it's in your notes, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says here, Let us therefore come, how? Boldly, boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This word boldly isn't arrogant. It isn't like, yeah, I have rights, here I come. No, this boldly is because of relationship. Because I now am a father-son relationship. It's a, I'm a daughter or I'm a son of God and I come boldly into his presence. I have a grandson named Jake, and Jake comes into my office boldly. 
He comes in boldly only because he's grandson. He comes to see Papa. And so he comes in, and there can be people standing in the way, and he's just, get out of my way. Oh, pastor's busy. doesn't matter. He doesn't care about that. He just comes boldly into the office. And then I have a certain drawer where there's some toys. He pulls out the toys, some toy cars, and he wants to play cars with Papa. And so he, he just comes boldly. But it's based on relationship. And we come boldly into his presence. Before that, in the Old Testament, there was a veil. Once a year, the high priest could go into the holies of holies. After making certain sacrifices for the sins of the people and his own sins, he could come. But when Christ died on the cross, it says the veil was torn, and we have free access. The sin barrier is removed, and we can come into the presence of God because the sin has been removed. The penalty of sin has been paid for, and we can come into his presence. They knew that. And one of the things that keeps us from being devoted to prayer is not being sure that God wants us around. And if we had a bad experience with our Father, that can even reflect on our relationship with God. Know this. If nothing else this morning, know this. God wants you around. God invites you into his presence. As much as I would say to my little grandson, and he can come up anywhere, anytime, Jake will come up. I can be talking to people, he'll tug on my pants and say, Papa, pick me up. And I do, because it's relationship. That's you with God the Father. Anytime you can come boldly into his presence. You don't have to call the secretary. You don't have to get through security. You can just come boldly into his presence. Wow. Try to do that with the prime minister. Try to do that with the president of a company. You know there's layers of bureaucracy to get to. There is no layers of bureaucracy with God. Just come boldly into his presence and say, God, here's what I need. And you can pray in his presence. Commune with him. Prayer is talking to God. God talking to you. They were devoted to prayer, and this is key, because they understood the new covenant realities. And if we don't understand that, we do not have the foundation for solid prayer and that's so key that I can come before God because the price has been paid. The second thing they knew is the power of the name of Jesus. That is so key to our prayer life because they understood it. Matter of fact, they were persecuted for using the name of Jesus. When Peter and John had healed the man who was lame and they were accused of all kinds of things and they asked him, how did you guys do this? They said it was in the name of Jesus. And more importantly, catch this. Through faith in the name. Folks, we have to have faith in the name, a trust in the name. The name. Remember that song we used to sing? There's just something about that name. There's something about that name. There's something about that name. Coming home yesterday on the plane, there's a guy behind me, and he's using the name of Jesus. He's using the name of Christ, but he's not worshiping Jesus. He's not worshiping Christ. It's Christ this, Jesus Christ that. And I, I felt like turning around and explaining who he was talking about, but it wasn't the time or place to do that. But, and I, you know, I, it's interesting. I've never used, heard somebody use Buddha's name that way or Muhammad's name that way, but they'll use Jesus' name that way. For me, it just verifies that there's something about that name, something about the name of Jesus. And they understood it. They were commanded not to preach in the name of Jesus. Do what you want to do, but don't mention that name. The enemy is so nervous when you use the name of Jesus. Remember what the Lord said? Those who believe in my name, they shall what? Cast out devils in my name. You can do that as a believer. You're empowered in 
When that enemy tries to infiltrate your family, infiltrate your business, you stand up and say, no, in the name of Jesus, out of my family, go from my family. So, well, when would I do that? When when your wayward daughter or your wayward son is not in their bedroom, you go into their bedroom and you lie on their bed and you say, devil, in the name of Jesus, you will not influence my child. I break your power in the name of Jesus. And we have that authority. The early church was devoted to prayer. They knew they could come into the presence of God. They knew the power of the name of Jesus. They understood that they were his ambassadors. We were his ambassadors. They were sent to go. You know, Jesus did this completed work. Victory was won at the cross, but now we distribute it. We are his agents of distribution. He healed, but he wants us to lay hands on the sick. Healing has been done, but he says, now lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed. He distributes through us. There's a saying that Pastor Dutch Sheets, he wrote a great book on prayer, and uh, He said, God limited himself concerning the affairs of earth to working through human beings. He also said this, um, his work empowers my prayers. My prayers, no, his work, yeah, his work empowers my prayers. My prayers release his work. Let's think about that again. Just get your mind on that for a bit. His work, the completed work at the cross, what he did there, empowers my prayers and my prayers god needs us my prayers release his work see god needs us to pray he wants us to pray he chose to work through people he needed abraham he needed noah he needed mary he needs you and i he structured it this way that he would work through people he longs for us to pray waiting for us to pray Early church was devoted to prayer. One last verse, Matthew 16, verse 19. So much more could be said. Here Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Wow. We've heard that verse before, but I want you to think of it in fresh light today. Think about it, folks. I will give you, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. It was a big deal when I was 16 and my dad said, son, you can have the keys to the pickup. I wow, I got the keys to the truck. And I was sick, so excited. Drove into town, had the keys to the truck. It was an old Chevy pickup. Big deal, I had keys to the pickup. But I thought I'd arrived because I had keys to the pickup. And then you could have keys to the city. You could, people get keys to the city. Remember that pilot who landed that plane in New York? on the Hudson River when it took off. I forget his name. Sully, I think, was his nickname, but he landed the plane. He was, it was an heroic thing. He saved everybody on the plane. As a result, they gave him the keys to New York City. That's a big deal. There's keys to the city of Vancouver. They call it the Freedom Medal. And they write your book in the Freedom Book. There's a little book. They write your name in it. And Arthur Erickson has, has received that. And uh, who else? Uh, Jim Green. A few others have received that. You know the neatest thing about that is they give you a decal. This is trivia. This is, this is trivia. But they give you a decal. You put it on your car, and you never have to pay a parking meter in Vancouver. How cool is that? Because <laughs> you have a keys to the city. I love one of those decals. <laughs> but those keys, that's, that's earned. But this is a gift. Jesus said, this is not a key to the city. This is the keys to the kingdom. 
Faith in this, folks, faith in this, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Sounds like God needs our involvement. Whatever you loose, that loose is a word that means to release somebody from captivity, shall be loosed in heaven. So that early church was empowered. And when they realized, you know, when my dad gave me the keys to the truck, he didn't have to say, now, son, go drive the truck. Come on, now, go drive the truck. Man, I was in the truck. And when God gives us the keys to the kingdom of heaven, he shouldn't have to say, now, come and pray. Come. No, we should, we should want to pray. So sometimes we just need a refresher in the reality of the covenant that we have. Powerful covenant. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.